Thank you for listening to the Hidden in Plain Sight podcast with my dad, Matt Petrie. Well, today I want to talk to you about the spirit and the kingdom. And I'm going to give you the one, two, threes of what I want to talk to you about today. Here it is. Spirit of the kingdom, number one. I want to talk about how God's kingdom is prayed here. God's kingdom is prayed here. And secondly, I'm going to talk about how we cannot separate the message of God's kingdom from the spirit of God. You can't separate the message of the kingdom of God and the spirit of God. They work together. And where the spirit is, the kingdom will manifest. And number three, I want to talk about how I believe a major emphasis of prayer meetings should be the infilling of the Holy Spirit, according to the book of Acts. Now, number one, when we talk about God's kingdom being prayed here, what do I mean by that? Well, Jesus said that this is the way we are to pray. Our Father who is in heaven, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God is primarily prayed here. Now, of course, the gospel of the kingdom comes to people as we preach to them, but I'm talking about the government of God, the dominion of God coming upon our lives. It is prayed here. The kingdom is prayed here. Our Father who is in heaven, Jesus said to pray this way, our Father is in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done. So this is one of the reasons why, and I thought, I thought about this today, I have never, I don't think I've ever prophesied a revival or an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I don't think I've ever prophesied that an outpouring of the Holy Spirit is going to come to a specific church or to a specific city or anywhere. I I don't think I've ever done that. And, And I don't know if I would prophesy that an outpouring of the Holy Spirit was coming to a church or, or a city. Uh, even if the Lord told me, (laughs) that he was going to do it. I don't think I would unless he just made me. Now I say that, you know, and the Lord's going to probably, you know, make me uh, eat my words there and actually share, hey, God told me that there's going to be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit at your church. Uh, I've never done that. And here's why. I don't want the people to think that an outpouring of the Holy Spirit comes that way. I don't see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to walk through passages in the New Testament, specifically Luke Acts, specifically Luke Acts, where the kingdom and the Spirit of God, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit comes as a result of people praying. Now, of course, you can prophesy. You can, I have buddies who prophesy revival and prophesy outpourings of the Holy Spirit, and I would never discourage them from doing it. I think they should do it if God tells them to do it. But I've just never done it because my thought is I haven't seen a Bible verse where it just happens that way. Now, of course, Jesus told the 120 to tarry in Jerusalem till they be endued with power from on high because they're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, right? So there was a, a prediction of an outpouring of the Holy Spirit from the Son of the living God. Yet the people knew what to do with that word. They didn't think, well... It was prophesied we're going to have an outpouring of the Holy Spirit so we can just go chill, sit on the couch and go do what we got to do. Know that Jesus knew that their response would be to press in with prayer. And they continued at least seven days in prayer, according to Acts chapter 1, verses 14, 13 to 14 there. They continued seven days in prayer and they, they would have continued further. They didn't know how long that prayer meeting was going to be. I believe they went in there with a pray until 
the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, the manifestation of what Jesus said, the promise of the Father would come. So I don't like to um, prophesy outpourings. Uh, I like to tell people anyone, anywhere can have an outpouring of the Holy Spirit if they will meet the demands of God to humble themselves, pray, turn from wickedness, seek God's face. God promises that he will hear from heaven, he will forgive our sin, and he will heal our land. I believe an outpouring of the Holy Spirit can happen anywhere to anyone that is willing to to press in for it, to pray for it. Now, let me let me think about this a little further here. The kingdom is prayed here. Jesus said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And as you can already pick up, I'm right in the teaching, I'm already connecting Holy Spirit outpouring and the kingdom coming. And I'll just cut to the chase on number two here. The, the reason why I say that, uh, number two, is that you can't separate the message of the kingdom of God from the spirit of God. The reason why I say that is because Jesus said, if I cast out demons by the spirit of God, the kingdom has come to you. If I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, the kingdom has come to you. And again, in Acts chapter 1, there the disciples are asking Jesus, are you going to restore the kingdom at this time? He does a redirect and says, oh, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and be my witnesses in all the earth. He connects the kingdom to the Holy Spirit because just like at the beginning, the Holy Spirit was brooding over the chaos where the, the, it was formless without void. Uh, so there was chaos there. The creation wasn't formed yet until the Holy Spirit brooded and brought order. And so when the Holy Spirit comes to our lives, He brings the kingdom. He brings that dimension of order. And I believe Paul also picked up on this when he picked up on this theme of Spirit and the Kingdom, when he says that the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. You can't separate the kingdom from the Spirit. So when we pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we're asking for Him to come and set up God's kingdom in our lives. But I want you to think about this. It is a pattern in Luke-Acts. I think Luke is the apostle of prayer. He definitely, when you read through Luke-Acts, he is removing our unbelief about prayer. Because in the other Gospels, when they say that anything that of significance happens... They'll just say that it happened. But in Luke, if anything of significance happens, it is preceded by someone praying. Someone's praying. Uh, at the transfiguration of Jesus, it is as he is praying in Luke's gospel that um, he is transfigured. And Luke's the only one that records those three parables of prayer, uh, including the friend at midnight, uh, the unjust uh, judge, and the, and the widow crying out for justice. He likes to talk about prayer and how it sets up God's kingdom on the earth. So let's just start out at the beginning of Luke's gospel, connecting the spirit and the kingdom and the spirit to prayed here, being prayed here, as opposed to just prophesied here. So at the baptism of Jesus, look at this, Luke 3, 2, 1. It's one of my favorite passages, Luke 3, 2, 1, Luke 3, verse 21. It says, as Jesus prayed, the heavens opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. So he's clearly making this the example right here. It's as Jesus prayed, the Holy Spirit came upon him. Now, the disciples remembering this 
in uh, Acts chapter 1, the 120 in the upper room, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them. They knew how to do it. They knew how to set themselves to receive the Holy Spirit. It was prayer in Acts, uh, in Acts uh, 2, the Holy Spirit came. Now, this same group of people that prayed in Acts chapter 1 verse and, and chapter 2, again, had another prayer meeting in Acts 4, and the same scenario, as they prayed, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the Word of God with boldness in Acts 4, verse 31. So we have this pattern growing. We have it with Jesus in Luke 321. We have it in Acts chapter 2. We have it here in Acts 4. And then again in Acts chapter 8, verses 15 through 17, Luke writes, when they arrived, talking about the apostles, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit. So if we wanted, if we want people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, we create an atmosphere of prayer. We get people praying. If we want to receive more of the Holy Spirit in our lives, the charge from the Apostle Luke is to get us praying. And this is a prayer pattern we see right through the Gospels. Uh, and I, as a matter of fact, I can't find a single outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament or in church history that didn't have someone pray the outpouring down. Someone secured it. And you say, why is it important to emphasize this because I think we get into this thing of our reasons why we can't have an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's because we're too political or our region is too religious. Listen, the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit in history, Acts chapter 2, happened under leadership of Herod, who cut the heads off prophets. So you can have terrible politicians in, uh, in your government and still have a great outpouring. I know some people say, well, everybody's really religious where I'm at. We can't have an outpouring of the Holy Spirit because of the religion that's here. Um, again, the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit in history, Acts chapter 2, happened in one of the most religious cities in history, Jerusalem. So we can't blame it on who's in the White House. We can't blame it on, and none of those things are holding us back from having an outpouring. You know what's holding us back from an outpouring of the Holy Spirit is we just lack the audacity to go for it. We know what it takes. We need to stop pretending that we don't know what it takes. It takes us yielding to the Holy Spirit, humbling ourselves, turning from wicked ways, seeking God's face, praying, and God promises to heal us, forgive us, pour out His Spirit upon us. Um, just as they did in Joel chapter 1 and 2, the solemn assembly. Now, uh, as you study church history, I don't believe that outpourings of the Holy Spirit or revivals are a surprising wind or an accident. I believe they were the result of someone being deliberate and desperate in devotion to secure it or receive it, if you like that better. So, I mean, it may be a surprise to us that certain people are reaching for God, or, uh, but I don't believe an outpouring of the Holy Spirit is a surprising miracle. I believe someone positioned his or her heart to receive an outpouring of God's Holy Spirit, revival, or said better, I believe they secure it. And when you read some of these historical revival accounts, you'll always find a people that set themselves to go for it. Um, 
just like in the Silcott revival in India with John Hyde, uh, it, it, they said this was not an accident. This was, this was not some un, unsought breeze from heaven. John Hyde was a part of the process of seeing these things happen here. And Charles Finney used to say that a revival is no more a miracle than a crop of wheat. In any community, revival can be secured from heaven when heroic souls enter the conflict determined to win or die, or if need be, win and die. The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Again, I want to say this boldly. I believe any believer, any believer can anticipate an outpouring of the Holy Spirit when we meet the demands of God to humble ourselves, pray, turn, and seek his face. So the question is not, is God in this revival over here or over there? The question should be, are we willing to be a heroic soul and enter the conflict or humble soul? Are we willing to do violence to our time, our wallets, our appetites, our sinful desires? Are we willing to deliberately and desperately secure revival? And I believe that that is the, the model that Luke set for us is to pray just as Jesus did. We receive the Holy Spirit. And I believe you cannot separate the message of the kingdom from the Spirit. So when we believe, the reason why that's important to me is because when the Holy Spirit comes, something happens. His first name is Holy, and He's to establish something very holy and to set up the government of God. That's what the kingdom of God is, the government of God, righteousness, peace, and joy and the Holy Spirit. And so He comes to transform us, to make us like Jesus, and that we may be witnesses unto Him in all the earth. Now, my last point, thirdly here, on the Spirit and the kingdom, and I'll be quick. A major emphasis of prayer meetings should be the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Why do I say that? Well, at Jesus' prayer meeting in Luke 3.21, He prayed and the Holy Spirit came. We get to the book of, well, even you just thought of this too. When Jesus taught in Luke on how to pray, when he teaches the what some people call the Our Father prayer or the Lord's prayer, um, he says, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as is in heaven. And he concludes that teaching, same chapter, with the teaching on the friend at midnight, which is about someone being persistent to ask the Father for the Holy Spirit. He concludes the, the teaching on prayer. Uh, it's supposed to be, as we pray for these things, to not be led into temptation and to have our daily bread, to have our sins forgiven as we forgive others. He concludes that talk on prayer with, who among you, if you being evil and know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? So right there, Jesus is emphasizing that prayer meetings should include an emphasis on the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And then we see the first two prayer meetings in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit infilling comes. The first two, with emphasis, there is an infilling of the Holy Spirit. So I believe somewhere in our prayer meetings, there should be an emphasis on the Father filling us with the Holy Spirit. The, the Bible says that it is Jesus's mandate. He has a desire and mandate to baptize us in the Holy Ghost and fire. It was a mandate given to him from the Father. John the Baptist prophesied this. 
So Jesus desperately, the Christ in you desperately desires to see people baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. And not just once. Don't get into the teaching of once filled, always filled. We want to get filled with the Holy Spirit and continue being filled with the Holy Spirit. And not only for corporate prayer meetings, but make this a part of your individual private prayer time behind a closed door. Make being filled with the Holy Spirit an emphasis of that time alone with God, and it will keep your walk with God something that is of the Spirit, that is intimate, that is personal, connected to a person that you walk with throughout the day, saying the kingdom come. Thanks for listening.